Hi, I am Brandon Cervania, the author of Missing Elements, my first book. I'm using this podcast as a, a uh, as a tool to just share with friends of the book that I'm trying to just get out there and expose it to other people, friends, family, uh, those who are interested in. And this is one of the ways that I'm going to try to market my book so I can get it published. So. If this book sounds good and you want to see where it goes, um, uh, donate to my Patreon and hopefully one day I'll have some sort of published finished product. Anyways, thank you for listening. This is chapter one, rest of us. Um, Episode one. Thomas, chapter one, the rest of us. Video record day one. The smell of wood gives Thomas a moment of peace. He's praising the Douglas fir patterns along the office desk as he strokes the spacious surface. An envelope lays at the end. The smooth sanded wood has blue ashes smearing the surface from his fingerprints. His chest rises and deflates at a quickening pace. The ash surrounding his eyelids make him squint through his cracked glasses. During the moment of silence, he takes off his glasses to wipe off the drying tears with his forearm. Thomas's hands are covered by remnants of Scion's suit, leaving the phone of this last call with Eliza. Bits of the suit fall from his palms. The ash mixes with cedar dust on the desk. Inside the envelope is a letter. After reading the contents of the letter, Thomas pushes the desk forward with Gresham. Covering his mouth with his forearm, he lets out a muffled, painful scream while crunching toward the floor. The letter falls to the ground. He keeps screaming through his forearm while collapsing underneath the desk. Hours go by before he hears Eliza's voice. Thomas rolls up his sleeve. His arm rests on the desk surface. A large bite mark is seen on his forearm. He rebuilds the strength to speak. Muttered words. In front of Thomas, a holographic image of his wife appears. The recording only sees the back of Eliza and through her transparent holographic body are patches of Thomas's left side blurred out or skewed in view. Eliza is unmoving listening to her husband. I see you, Bess, but I know this isn't you. What is all of this? Why is all of this here? The hologram replies. I made it for you. Me? Emphasizing the me with raising his eyebrows and quick enunciation. Thomas puts his hand against his chest. The suit marks his worn turtleneck sweater. He hits his chest hard two more times. The suit on his shoulders clouds the air from banging his chest. If it was for me, I would have had a choice, Bess. He stutters again. I would have tries to think of another reason why he should have known. 
I would have had a choice. There was no other reason. He bursts. You did this for you. The hologram clenches her chest. She mutters. I did this for us. Thomas stutters with the words as he replies, Am I even talking to you right now? Is this even you? His eyes are glaring at the hologram, seeking any sort of life, hoping for any sign that it really is his wife. The hologram looks down at his desk. He coughs from the cloud, ash, and leaves. Video record day two. What would you have done if I told you? What would have you chosen, Eliza says. Thomas sits focused, pensive, toward the situation his wife put him in. I don't know. I would have chosen you over this. I chose this for you, though. Because our kids would be more endangered if we took them where I am. Why do you think you can save us, he scoffs. Because you're everything I want to protect. I want to protect you too. Then stay alive. Alarm sounds go off in Eliza's communication system. The visual of her goes static and distorted. She looks alarmed. The hologram disappears. Thomas fixates as the empty seat Eliza posed in front of the desk, paralyzed at the possibilities going on in his head. Video record day six. Thomas enters the office with his hair spiked with flakes of cyan ashes. His face is covered with fading blue suit. He seems angered. Get it now, with his arms crossed. Why have you never shown this to me? While pulling out a capsule with WM2 marked on it, he waves at the camera. Thomas gets elated in inspecting the capsule. Staring at the capsule created the discovery of an epiphany. That epiphany made him smack his head and groan at the ceiling. Banging the capsule at his head, he swipes the desk with the capsule, clearing the papers, books, and desk, desk lamp, hurling the capsule at the wall. Video record day 13. Thomas sits eating breakfast, oatmeal, and a cup of tea cooling down. He stuffs his mouth with the mountain of oatmeal in his bowl. In the background, Ellis calls for Dad. Daddy is eating with Mom. You want to join me? Mommy's home, she asks, cheering. No. Oh. Sorry, Ellis. The little girl comes to the office room, disappointed. Thomas puts her on his lap. She shares a cute giggle to look into his eyes. Thomas kisses her nose with his nose. After having some fun, Thomas explains, You see, Mommy is here with me, Ellis. She looks around the office, but she's not here. Yeah, she's not. He grabs her hand and puts it on his chest, but he chokes. She's right here, with an enthusiastic tone. And she's also right here. He puts her little hands on her chest. 
She squeezes her dad's hand with no sign of wanting to let go. Thomas kisses her forehead, bringing her close to his chest as he rocks his chair with her around his arms. After a long sigh, Bess, I miss you. I know there are a lot of things you discovered or, or saw that made you decide what to do for us on your own. Things I can't understand or start to know. I know you're smart, smarter than me. I know you. I know that whatever mess you're in, whatever mess we're in, you choose to keep us safe by putting yourself he wanders his eyes, looking for the right words. Whatever you put yourself in. Video record, day 14. Thomas writes in his journal with his laptop near his side. There's a knock on the office door. Come in, Bo. Bo opens the door. How did you know it was me? He chuckles. Ellis doesn't knock. Kicking the air from the ground at the side of his father, he looks at the floor with a musing face. Thomas glances at Bo. You've been thinking. I don't know how to bring it up. Thomas takes his time to close his journal. He slides one of the office chairs in front of his desk next to Bo. Bo sits down with his arms crossed and exasperated. Why don't we go? Bo lays his hands out with confusion. Why do we have to stay here? Why is this? He spreads his arms around the office. Better. Thomas is bewildered by the frustration expression on his son's face. I don't want to be here, Dad. I want what they're giving me. And what is... What is it? they're giving you. Something more than these invisible walls. Everything that I've ever wanted, they said. What is that, Bo? Who cares what that is, Dad? It's everything. Bo buries his face into his hands, trying to quieten his scream. Son, look at me. Thomas takes his arms to lift his chin. Everything isn't everything. Anything can be something for you. Something to you. But there's always something better. Bo replies, is that how you feel about mom, then? Love is different from a feeling. Thomas embraces his stiff son, holding him tight. It's a lot holder. It's a lot harder to hold on to. Video record day 21. In the background of the recording is Bo's voice. How long is this going to take, Dad? Come on, I want to show you something. Thomas opens the office door. Behind his back is a blindfold. Okay, I need you to put this on. He gives the blindfold to his son. Bo enters with the blindfold on. Thomas sets him down on the chair. He goes around the hologram recorder and shakes the stand a bit, making the image of Bo move a little. 
Bo sits tapping his fingers on the desk. The sound of the background is muffled after getting hit by Thomas. Bo takes off his blindfold. He's surprised at something behind the recorder. The astonishment makes him leap off the chair to hug Thomas, tackling him down. He gets up to dance while whirling the blindfold. Bo, past the recording stand, appearing back holding a large roll of paper to hand to Bo, unrolling it in front of him, he examines its contents. Video record day 22. So, because Bess asked me to keep his place protected and cloaked from what she calls Corridus and their androids, we have had limited time outside of the cabin. I haven't let Bo or Ellis leave the cabin borders at all, actually, without me or the truck. The cabin won't let them either. Thomas sets a large roll of paper on the desk, but I've been fiddling with the blue capsules. I think I've reverse-engineered the cloaking device on the truck. This makes us one step closer to seeing what is out there now. Thomas's eyes, steam blue mist beguiled by the bl blueprints of the reverse-engineered cloaking device. Video record day 31. Ellis's large face blocks the view of the forest for the rec recorder. She squeals at the sight of the recorder being on. It's recording the black backyard at the cabin. The wide woods of the scion forest trees glazed by the blue shades of grass. Needles are layered by different floral grasslands. She poses in front of the recorder. Hi, Mom. Ellis runs in and out of recording camera's view. A few blue leaves from the scion forest follows her with a breeze, a saturated mist gusting along her trail. She looks at the camera as she, the mist is circulating around her, lifting her hair a few centimeters. Then, the mist forms a silhouette behind Ellis. She takes a side step away. The mist turned into a humanoid form of a little girl shaped like Ellis. The leaves covered the illuminating skin like a hippie skirt. Ellis spars with the little girl. A faint voice is caught through the recording in the background. Oh, Ellis. So you're showing Mom your new friend? Does she have a name yet? Ellis, still sparring with the girl, shouts. Her name is Celeste. A pair of feet appear in the background of Ellis fighting Celeste. Legs began growing from the feet. From the legs, some shorts began to form. From the shorts, a shirt began to appear. It's Bo appearing behind Ellis. He's wearing a black full bodysuit underneath his clothes. Well, since she's here, can I show both of you something Dad and I made? Ellis and Celeste stop sparring. Ellis sits down at the steps. Celeste follows. Ellis cheers, okay. Bo looks at what? at the watch on his wrist and scrolls through a holographic screen projected by the watch. He vanishes. Where'd you go, Bo? Bo's hand appears like it's coming out from a curtain. The hand extends itself to Ellis. 
Celeste disappears into the mist. Alice takes Beau's hand. She disappears while stepping into Beau's invisible curtain. It hasn't been perfected. Beau and Alice appear in front of the camera, but we're on our way. Dad said we will have a prototype finish in two months. That means no more rides in the truck, but adventures on foot. Alice jumps three times in front of Beau before running toward the cyan forest, a dog pile on the big pile of leaves. Video record day 42. Thomas stands in front of a mirror in his bedroom wearing a bodysuit similar to the one Beau wore. On his left peck is a camera lens. The blue capsule rests his hand. The other hand waves his reflection. Video record day 43. The recording reveals a person perspective of Thomas looking at empty blue shelf. Cinna, can you make me a photo album of me and Elizabeth? The bookshelf creates a laser graphed grid, blinking lasers as it speaks with a voice similar to Eliza's. Do you want just pictures? Thomas pauses to think. Yeah, just show me the pictures. System ready. Retina scan starting. The empty shelf beams laser towards Thomas's eyes. In the duration, a photo album conjures in the sh shelf while scanning Thomas's eyes. Thomas takes the photo album. The cover is titled Mrs. Moon and Mr. Sunshine, Shining Blue. She, he sits on his bed before opening the album. The first picture is him and Eliza taking a selfie, resting their heads on a bed. He shrieks. Bess, it's our first picture together. He reminisces. Do you remember our first night as a couple? We came back from singing karaoke at the bar. We sang, believing in the moments, together, walking to the, your apartment. You tried to waltz with me the whole way. I kept twirling you close to me. You would twirl yourself out and make an obvious wink. I remembered you stopping for a moment to shout while pointing at the night sky. After glancing at the spotted stars, I returned my attention towards you. I couldn't keep my eyes off the moonlight glistening on your skin. Your smile and awe of the radiant starlight was a sight not worth missing. Look back at me, and I saw your eyes dazzling with the moon's light. For the first time, I thought of nothing when our eyes met. I only saw you. We did nothing but stare at as time drifted with the night. You soften your voice. It's a full moon. I took this picture of us laying down on my bed after making it to your apartment. Drops of tears spatter on the album. Video record day 56. Thomas lays the camera on his shelf in the garage. The blue capsules rest on his workshop bench. Opening the capsule, a thick gaseous cyan cloud escapes it. 
it's swifting past Thomas, making his hair brush back while leaving remnants of the gas at his forehead. Morning, Cinna. The gas we use around the garage. The gaseous cloud dashes toward the camera. Gliding through the camera, the recording goes static. Want to try this box today? Thomas takes out a cylinder no smaller than his fingers from his pockets. It has the room you like. Try it. I try to program it as much as possible so you wouldn't feel the rumbling as much. The gas enters the cylinder once Thomas opens it. He equips the cylinder in the buckle of a belt. All right, Senna, let's try this one. He presses a button on the buckle. A dense coat of the gas swirls around Thomas. It continues to swirl until he looks contained inside glass. Thomas disappears inside. The glass walls blend with the environment. Okay, check this out. Thomas' hands. Thomas's hand appears in front of the recording. He picks up the camera and brings, brings it into the glass-like curtain. Inside the curtain is a grid laid out all around the garage. Names hover over all the items in the room. Thomas walks to the workbench. Question marks hover over all the little items that aren't tools on the bench. I've upgraded the cloaking engine. This element learns from experience, but it's very sensitive to our technology and it's bonding with the other elements. I have to create so many reducers and resistors so the element can feel comfortable performing. But look at what it can do. Or I guess look what I can do with the element. Thomas turns off the grid and labels. Then he looks around with the camera. Let's see what the kids are doing. Thomas walks to the living room. Bo is sitting on the couch playing with the virtual reality system around his head. Ellis cuddles next to Bo with her earphones plugged into a blue book in her hands titled Celestials and Spirits, Adventures in the Forgotten Planet. Her scion friend Celeste sits on the floor waving at Thomas. A view of the scion forest from the front porch window is shown behind them. Ellis looks up. Dad, what are you doing with Mom? Video record, day 70, September 9th. Ellis is in front of a cake with one large candle lighting her face in the dark. Thomas and Bo are singing a happy birthday song. It's a birthday song they made special for Ellis only. Eliza made the lyrics and Thomas sang the melody. Her gloomy face looms at the candles as the song ends. Make a wish. Hanging over the candle, she inhales but holds the breath. Ellis tucks her head back to blow the air away from the candles. She tries again but retreats again. She follows the pattern a few more times before her river of tears fall into the candle's light. The light fades into darkness. Video record, day 83. Thomas is in the garage wearing his workshop apron. He opens a capsule. The fog of Cinna lifts Thomas from the floor. Good morning to you too, Cinna. Cinna drifts in the space next to Thomas. I'm lost, Cinna. 
I've been trying to figure you out for the almost three months now, and I can't seem to get the results my wife got from you. Now, I'm talking to you even though you never seem able to respond to me. The misty fog remains still. He pulls out his screen from the table projector on the work desk. A live-scaled hologram of his blueprints appear at the center of the garage. This is what I have. Whatever you are, I can't figure it out. He walks closer to the camera. I'm supposed to be your engineer, remember? You were the inventor, the vision caster. You were the dreamer, and I was the maker. I can't make what you made. He continues to vent at the camera. Behind Thomas, the fog fills itself inside the hologram. Why is this so hard? How long did you have the element before figuring out how to make all of what this is? Thomas gestures toward the cabin and the Sinek borders outside. The mist inside the hologram thickens from absorbing the material on the workbench. A tiny capsule floats toward the mist. Tiny wires slither into the suit. I know you gave me notes, but they don't give me many guidance. It just gives me examples. The hologram ends, but the suit stands on top of the workbench. It drops flat on the bench, sounding off a noise that alarms Thomas. He approaches the bench. Noticing the suit on the bench, he turns it on. Sina speaks. It's me, Thomas. Streaks of blue stream. Streaks of blue stream through the trimmings of the suit. Video record day 94, October 4th. With haste, Bo puts on his suit. He shouts across the hall, Are you excited, Ellis? Today's the first day we leave this house. Ellis is still slipping one leg into her suit. This is so tight, Bo. It'll feel like you're wearing nothing soon. They tuck their clothes over their suits after putting them on. They race down the stairs toward the garage. Bo hops in the truck first to leave the vast forest. Ellis climbs into the passenger seat after him. Thomas follows the main road to the old, their old home until they're halted at a cliff where a bridge used to be standing. Remnants of the bridge are left on the cliff by the scavenging androids and ships. The other side of the road seems 500 feet away from them. They park at a cliffside from the coast of the ocean. To the left is a cast of redwood trees. The brushing tides of the sea are to the right. What's wrong, Dad? Ellis tugs on Thomas's attire. Does this mean we can't go home, Bo says? It just means we got to enjoy the scenery here. Thomas turns his suit on before stepping out of the truck. Come out and play. Breathing in fresh breeze, Thomas exhales with his hands behind his head. Bo leaves the truck to listen to the ebbs and flows of the crashing waves near the cliff. Ellis moves closer to the beach near the hills of the road. Don't go off too far, Ellis. Come play with me at the beach, Dad. Thomas looks through the grid, appearing inside the invisible cover. Senna 
identifies where Bo and Ellis are through highlighting the outlines of the cloaking curtain. Senna displays who's inside after analyzing the cloaks. After a while, large shadow emits over the cliffside they stand near. Thomas looks at the ocean where the sun glows. At a distance, over the sea, hordes of gigantic droids carry a marigold-shaded globe surrounding a small city moving north from us, from them. The orbs carry the city across the ocean faster than the waves traveling toward the beach. They're like floating snow globes, Ellis says. Thomas responds. They are like floating snow globes, Ellis. The sound of mobilizing rubble became louder. Hovering over them is another marigold-shaded surface traveling northwest from the coast. The bottom has broken sewage systems and pipes and a bundle of dirt, soil, and other materials being held together by the marigold glass-like barriers. Bo locks his eyes at the floating island. He hunches his back and hangs his jaw. Thomas could sense the intense depression looming over his son. He expels an empathetic sigh that extinguishes his concern for his son. After the sound of the traveling city's end, Thomas takes Bo's and Ellis's hands. He sings a song. In the quiet breeze, I sing onward toward your ease. As the sun starts to lay its head, we will wait for you, living life for you. As the night starts to shade its way away, Cry will not near the most moments. Pry will not in our frowns. Please break free upon the waiting until you return to us somehow. He spends the last bit of efforts to say, Happy birthday. Video record day 95. The recorder is left on as the night begins, the lights are off in the office room. Light fades dim. Outside the office is a faint noise coming from Thomas. He shouts long groanings, the sound of his bed spread through him, shifting from comfort. The microphone catches a muffled scream from Thomas, planting his face on a pillow. Video record day 106. A recording of Ellis making off the date, uh, marking off the date on her calendar. Today's date reads on her calendar, city, with a drawing of a city skyline. She strolls to the mirror, waving at her reflection, wearing a yellow dress. Ellis roams to Bo, his room. Bo lies in his bed with his virtual reality headset left on. Ellis takes off his headset. She shakes him, saying, Come on, Bo, let's get ready. Bo wakes up, leafing off his bed. Today's the day. I almost forgot. He hastens himself to dressing up. The three leave the cabin, traveling south instead of north toward their old town. They spend a majority of the day traveling into towns and looking for any survivors. They find nothing but some dry food 
no signs of life. The closer they got to the city, the more they saw Ellis's floating snow globes traveling northwest. Arriving into the city, craters cover the floor where the streets and buildings used to be. Abandoned buildings are waiting to be picked up by the marigold snow globe carriers. Mountains are bordering the holes from a distance. Shelters are left standing from a distance. On the edge of the deep pits, there's a group of people settled outside a large supermarket warehouse-looking building. The building looks unscathed or scrapped. Who are they, Dad? I don't know. Let's get closer to find out. They don't look dangerous. Turn on your cloaks before leaving the truck. They exit the car with their bubbled curtains on. Stay close, Ellis. Bo, stay in caboose in case we need someone to get the truck quick. The group is dressed in clean, or the group is dressed clean. Four men and five women gather around a semicircle at the bluffs of the crater, having a drink in one hand with their feet kicked up, staring past the large pits toward the mountain view, watching the sun set. The marigold globes passing by blend with the shine of the dusking sunlight. The mix revealed shimmerings of yellow. Thomas is mesmerized by the majestic scenery while creeping closer to the group. He's so fixated on the picturesque view, he gets distracted from seeing Ellis fidgeting with her suit underneath her yellow dress. She doesn't notice she's irritating Senna's electrical chips in the suit. The disruption emits a fractured patch in her cloaking bubble. The group spots spots Ellis's face and a bit of her dress through the bubble's opening. The gathered people stand surprised, staring at Ellis through her bubble with curiosity. A bearded man wearing a baseball cap moves closer to her. It's all right, little girl, he gestured an invitation. My name is Cole. Thomas stops walking toward the group, watching Cole steady forward. Ellis reaches for his hand and squeezes it for comfort. Cole discovers his hand, Thomas's hand, through the fractured window and looks up for Thomas. His eyes try to find eye contact with his invisible presence. We stayed because we're happy without these things. It's always nice to meet more people like us. He soothes their caution with a sincere smile. Thomas shakes his hand. In that instant, Cinna conjures a cyan dust around Cole's eyes, and he looks at Thomas. It's Thomas. Hi, Thomas. We're the rest of us. And that is chapter one. Um, you know, I'm really thankful that you guys listened to all of that. Some of it, um, just my reading in general, can be a little bland and dry. So, But that might be a reason for you to pick up the actual book. Uh, if you go to my Patreon, you can 
find more ways to get a manuscript or um, get uh, get get an actual book from me. Um, on my Patreon, I started I started bookmaking where if you donate uh, money to me, I'll, I'll print out the book for you and I'll hand make the book. If that sounds like something you you just like would want to have just to support me, um, that'd be nice because it'll it actually takes a little bit of some time. Uh, you can expect me to make finish the book, making the book like a hard copy, in three months. So you'd have to stay subscribed for three months for you to actually get the book shipped to you. Anyways, um, that was my book. If you you have any thoughts about it, or if you want to um, learn more about me and, and stuff, if you're friends with me, you can just text me. If you're not friends with me, uh, I'm sure there are ways that you can contact me, probably through um, through email. I'll, I'll find a way that you you can you can get a way way to see me. Anyways, have a good rest of your day. Uh, another chapter coming next week. Thanks. Bye.